Hi, I'm Bjorn Roberts. I'm Jess Fishlock. This is Owen Singer-Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Holmes Delivery Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I apologise or we apologise for not being in touch recently. We've all had a, um, a lot going on and some changing circumstances. I'm here with Ruth as ever. Hello, Ruth. Hiya. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks. We, I, I'd like to welcome everybody to what we just discovered is our first ever transatlantic podcast. Um, who thought that however many years ago that we started doing this, we would end up you you in uh, Washington State and me in The Hague in Holland. This is uh, not exactly how we planned this going, I don't think. But uh, welcome, everyone, to our first transatlantic podcast. Um, I mean, we've got a lot to talk about because we haven't done one of these for a long, long time. So we're just kind of going to talk about football and talk about what's happening at the minute and talk about how Cardiff and Swansea are doing um, and a few other questions that have been put to us by some listeners. So thank you very much for your questions. We'll start with the obvious stuff, Ruth. Um, what have you been watching? Have you been watching football? Um, what, what do you think about how it looks and the crowd noise and everything else? Um, yeah, I've been able to dip in and out a, a little bit, mostly of highlights rather than whole games over here. Um, I mean, it's I'd, I'd still rather football was back than it not, although clearly it's a, it's a very different beast than, than we're used to. Um, I like the fact that the stadium staff have, you know, made an effort with the banners and the signs and, are, you know, are trying to make their stadium look like home yeah. in, in the best way that they can. Um the artificial sounds I find really annoying. Yeah, I just find um, it so odd. Particularly as they seem to actually bear no relationship to what's going on at the field and just very random. Um, I'd, I'd rather actually take the opportunity just to, to try and hear what was going on on the field because we get we get that opportunity so rarely usually that yeah. let's at least, you know, make that a positive of the way the situation has to be. Um all in all, it's it's just nice to have some football back, isn't it? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I um I heard in relation to the sound noise, the sound noise, the sound, the the noise pumped in, that they did it in Germany for the first time because after the the first game, apparently there were so many people swearing overheard that that is the reason they did it. Apparently in Germany the first time was to kind of uh, hide all the all the swearing footballers, which I actually had a lot of time for because it's funny every now and again on. Um, I'm still watching uh, NBC Sports uh, every now and again. It's like, oh, sorry for the crass language there. Uh, but <laughs> and I, like you have no idea what's going on. I found, I found that quite entertaining. But yeah, the, the sounds are weird. Um, it just doesn't, I can't describe why necessarily, but just kind of doesn't feel the same, um, which is an obvious thing to say, I suppose. But uh, it's, yeah, I, I've enjoyed watching some stuff and I've enjoyed some German football and uh, obviously the Premier League and, and watching Newcastle, who've actually been quite good from the since the restart. Actually, I think Man City. We've only lost to Man City since the restart, which is not bad by our mm-hmm. fairly low standards. Um, I have been fortunate enough to watch um, some of the Cardiff and Swansea games on ESPN Plus, which has been great. Um, looking at Cardiff first, as they are ever so slightly higher up the league table, they are currently sixth. Uh, just inside the playoff places. Um, and to be fair, from what I've seen, they've been, well, not from what I've seen, that's factual, uh, other than the other night when they lost to Blackburn, they've been in brilliant form, really. Um, they've had big wins over Leeds and especially Preston away. Um, they've had a lot of good second-half performances. The the Blackburn defeat has really kind of closed things up in the league. Um, it just goes to show, I guess, how quickly the, the pendulum can, can change in this division, despite you know, how great they've been over the last few weeks. Just looking at the table quickly as we record on Thursday. Uh, Forrester fifth with 68 points. Cardiff is sixth with 64. Swansea is seventh with 63. And then Derby and Preston are eighth and ninth uh, with 61 each. I mean, it is so tight down there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, just to agree with what you were saying, I mean, they were clearly on that great run of form where they managed three wins. Um, and a draw within a four-game window. I mean, I think the defeat to Blackburn was actually quite concerning because of the manner of the defeat, with them being ahead twice in the game. Um, But, I mean, overall, 
you feel like they've they've got some momentum and they've got some form um it's just it's just you know as you say things are swinging so so much with how tight those points are you know with what about half a dozen teams you know barely two or three points apart in terms of where they're doing and cardiff have, have played 40 40 42 now, now is it yeah that's right um so they're there's some teams that have got a game in hand on them as uh, on them as well, um, but I think you know overall clearly it's be, it's been a good restart for them. I find it interesting that I remember us talking back in the winter about how difficult it was to come in as a manager at that point in the season and basically not have a preseason and and yeah. be trying to do everything on the hoof. And I, I do think it's it's telling that. Harris has sort of by default been able to have a preseason with the team in a in a small sense at least, um, and you can you can see the benefit of that, and oh, you can definitely. see the development that's come through that. Oh no, I couldn't agree more. I think Harris has done a great job. I think a lot of people were skeptical about his appointment when he came in. I was certainly one of them. And he's turned out to, to be a magnificent appointment. He's kind of got the team playing as a great unit. They seem very defensively strong, obviously, the Blackburn result um, being the being the difference. But I've read a great stat, um, which I'm not sure still stands, but um, about a week ago or 10 days ago, if the season had started when Neil Harris took over at the end of October, Cardiff City would be top of the league now, which is an incredible stat. And it's not... You know, I know it's a longer season, but there's still a long time. And I mm-hmm. think for, for for the work he's done, I think he deserves a lot of credit. I think the one of the big things after the restart is the way he's kind of rotating the squad and the players and the way he is getting something, getting a tune out of almost everyone who comes off the bench. I think, you know, it just goes to show how well motivated all the players are. Mm-hmm. And as a consequence... He's obviously doing a great job. You know, Glatzel's coming off the bench and scoring goals. Ward did it the other night against uh, Bristol City. Uh, Mendes Lang, I think, has been better coming off the bench than than starting games. So, yeah, I think they've been absolutely fantastic. I also think he deserves a lot of credit for getting a tune out of Will Volks, but also Bakuna as well. Like, Bakuna is coming and kind of replace um, Adoma, who's had to go back to Forest. And I think he's been very, very good since he's come back in playing some great football. He's reading the game so well. His, his short passing ability is excellent. His engine is just unbelievable. The guy just doesn't stop running. Um, but Will Volks as well, who was kind of not getting much game time at the start of the year, um, I think has just been brilliant since the restart. And I think he's certainly playing himself into into the next Wales squad and contention for that. I don't know if you saw the goal he scored against Blackburn the other night. Yeah. Oh no, my, that was a cracker. Oh my Lovely god. goal. <laughs> so yeah, I think they've you know he Harris deserves a lot of credit as well not just for the results but for the performances he's kind of I was going to say dragging out of the players. It's, it seems a bit harsh on the players, but I think it's been absolutely fantastic in in what he has done. Um I also think a lot of credit needs to go to Curtis Nelson at the back. I think he's been absolutely exceptional in the air. His reading of the game is fantastic. Um, he's not one of these defenders who's kind of throwing themselves around every 10 seconds and is always on their arse blocking something and slide tackles and whatever else. Obviously, he does that when he needs to, but I think him and Morrison have created a very intimidating, if we're honest, partnership there. You wouldn't fancy... You wouldn't fancy coming up against those two, would you? So I think just from from front to back, I think they've done a fantastic job. Harris has done a fantastic job, and he's getting a tune out of a lot of players who are playing at possibly even a higher level than than they're capable of. And this is all with Lee Tomlin only playing a bit part after his injury. You know, I think yeah, I think they've done fantastically well, and I think the playoffs stand to be very interesting. Yeah, certainly agree with that. Um, it's great to see Will Volks sort of reinvigorated and settled because I think I think he can be a very key um player for us at an international level I think he's just been nothing but dependable for us so if he's on form I think as a at some depth in the squad I I think he's got an awful lot to offer to us um the two games coming up they've got Fulham tomorrow Friday haven't they and then um and then Derby and both of those obviously feel like the you know the cliche six points each <laughs> type of games. 
Um, so it'd be really, I mean, by this time next week, the situation should be a lot clearer, shouldn't it? Oh, I agree. And I mean, if you look at the games Cardiff have had recently as well, a lot of teams around them. So it really does um, come down to these big games they've got left, like you said, against Fulham and Derby. And I think, yeah, it's going to be just a fascinating end to the season. In terms of Volks as well, I see him... Uh, as kind of a Dave Edwards type replacement in mm-hmm. the squad. We, we, we've often said that we're struggling in that midfield area. Someone who's going to come in and be dependent, reliable, can get on the ball, has got a goal in him, can get forward, is also equally happy doing the steady stuff in the middle. I think Volks has got um, a lot to, to offer for us. Um, to look at the Swans, I think, I don't know about you, but I would describe them as hit and miss so far. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way of yeah. of, uh, of describing it. I mean, their their results have been well. They've they've lit. I don't think they've strung to like results one after the other. <laughs> no. You know, they've ric- they've ricocheted from a draw to a loss to a win and yeah. back again. Um, the, the I mean, from a Wales point of view, obviously seeing Ben Cabango playing so well, Connor Roberts's form improving. Um, I think really, I, I think when I'm watching the Swans at the minute, I'm watching it more for how individual players' form is going because they are, their actual players' team seems still seems to be mired in that quite who are we discussions yeah. again that we were still having back in the winter. No, I think that's fair. And I think... The the style issue, I think, is the, the biggest problem for Steve Cooper, not just in terms of results, but also in terms of recognition almost from the fans. I, I was having a, a conversation with someone on Twitter the other day, kind of playing devil's advocate, and there was a lot of good points made, not many of them by me, but uh, talking about how if you think about the players they've lost the lack of money they've had to uh, to to invest in the playing squad I think they've been a little bit unlucky with injuries, you know, looking at Rodden, for example. Um, And I think they've been kind of forced into almost playing players like Cabango and having to bring people like that through. And that's obviously worked out very well for them. But let's not forget, they lost McBurney. Um, They've lost Baston, who I know was derided, but obviously did have a very good start to the season. Um, So I think... It's also difficult. Must be difficult for Steve Cooper coming in, losing your best players, and still having to try and kind of put an imprint on something. And I think if you look at how he's done, to the fact that they're even contention for the playoffs at this point, I think a lot of Swans fans would have snapped your arm off at the start of the year to be in the position they're in now. So I, I, I do think there needs to be a bit of context applied. I think, like we said, the style is the problem. Rodden missing is the problem, but. For every negative, I think there are definitely positives. I mean, Rian Brewster has been on absolute fire since the restart, mm. and as it looks, it looks a real player. Um, and obviously, from a Wales and Swansea perspective, Cabango's been excellent. Got his first goal the other night in a comeback win against Birmingham. Connor Roberts has got two assists in the in the in the last game. Um, he got an assist and a man of the match against Sheffield Wednesday when they won there. So. I think there's lots of lots of positives for Swansea and subsequently Wales as well. No, I, I agree. And I think given all the upheavals and, as you said, the players lost, the financial constraints, to still be in with a shout of the playoffs is actually pretty impressive um, in what's been quite a turbulent season for them in, in various um, various aspects of both on and off the field. No, I think that's I think that's very fair. Um to do our favourite thing and put you on the spot. Um, we've not got a prediction wrong for ages, so I think... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's early March. Exactly, <laughs> which is funny. Um, so I think I'll ask you for a prediction. Well, I'll, I'll ask you a couple of yes-no questions, in fact. Do you think Cardiff are going to make the playoffs? Yes. Do you think Swansea are going to make the playoffs? No. Do you think Cardiff will get to the playoff final? Oh, I mean, I think a lot depends on how they're drawn and who they're drawn against. Um, I mean, I think on on their day at the minute, if they hit the form that they were showing prior to 
the you know the Blackburn defeat. I, yeah. I think they they would give anyone a run for their money at the moment. Um, I still think I would probably go no, just because I feel they're probably if they're going to get into the playoffs, they're probably going in in sixth place, maybe fifth place, and you know that that tiering comes into play then, doesn't it? That is the longest answer to a yes, to a yes <laughs> or no answer question I think I've ever seen. But thank you for that. Um, I think I agree with you on all fronts, apart from the playoff final. I think they will get to the playoff final, and from there, I'm I'm not I'm not quite willing to put my hat on what's going to happen. But I think they're the form team in the playoffs. I think no one would really fancy playing them. But then again, they can go and lose to Derby and Fulham and then they're not the form team. They're not in the playoffs yeah. and Swansea seeking. So anything can happen there in the in the last uh, in the latter part of the season. And I've got to say, I do think that the championship has been an interesting division for that for that reason this year. Um to 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 look a little bit um I'm I've actually I said I was gonna follow the order exactly as I've written it and I've lied, Ruth. Sorry. I thought I'd got this in the right place. What's new? Um true. Um I think whilst we're talking about the Welsh clubs, we should have a mention of Newport, Wrexham, Merthyr, um, and a few others who people have asked us questions about. Mm-hmm. I'll start with Newport. Um I think they're probably kind of relieved that the season has finished, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it was kind of fading into mediocrity. They weren't going to go up. I think at the time it finished, they were 12 points off the, the playoff places. They weren't going to go down. They were miles away from that. So the, the season was just kind of seeing out its natural course. So I don't imagine that there's too many Newport fans who, from a, from a results perspective, are, are that disappointed that the season's come to an end. Yeah, I think it's probably a good point for them to, to kind of back off and, and take stock. Um, it does feel like they've sort of lost their drive a little bit, lost um, their focus, if that's... I, I'm that's yeah. not, probably overstating it a little bit, but I, I do think it's a good time for them to kind of reconvene and, and, and reboot and, uh, and come again for next season. I agree, I think they will be looking to readdress a lot of things. I think they used to be very defensively solid and uh, and were capable of scoring goals, and I think they've lost that solidity massively. Um, I think it's interesting to me that there's, there's three kind of big-name players who have been let go in Matt, Toure and, and Bennett, and obviously uh, Mark O'Brien's having to, had to retire as well. So... I know it may not be a big numbers turnaround, although there were a decent number of players released, but I, I do think there will be a big squad turnaround this year. And I think on the, on the basis of the way it's gone, I think that probably needs that. The, the, the only question I'd ask is I do think when you're getting to the point where you're kind of making wholesale changes to an extent, I do worry a little bit there that Flinney is maybe, there's a bit of a gamble there when you're, when you're, restarting um i think and i do kind of worry about him a little bit for next year I, I, there's no question he deserves to start the season i'm not for a moment suggesting he d- deserves to lose his job but i do think that this they need to get off to a good start i think otherwise i think he might be in trouble yeah i mean i i i, I agree i think there's just a little bit of stagnating in a whole a whole host of ways um I think I fl- trust Flynn to shake it up, but it is difficult with the volume of player turnover that you have at that level. Just to get any kind of consistency from one season to the next is such a difficult task. Um, and I think the fact that Newport have sort of held it together for the last three or four seasons, despite the player turnover, I just worry if that, that kind of bubble is is bursting um, over there, no, I, I go, I go along with that, and I think that obviously, you know, it's not just them, but lots of teams. The the financial impact of what's happening now is is going to affect a club like Newport massively, I think, and I, and I do worry, as I say, that if they don't get off to a good start next year, they could be. I'm not suggesting, so I'm not suggesting they'll get relegated, but they could be in a bit of trouble. And I think they don't want to have another season where they're kind of drifting through. So hopefully, um, that won't happen. If 
Newport fans weren't that bothered that the season came to an end. I reckon Wrexham fans, <laughs> Wrexham fans must be positively giddy that the season has come to an end. Um, I mean, I think they had perhaps started to just sneak ever so slightly clear of relegation. Yeah. I think they were, they probably would have been okay, but. I reckon if you asked a Wrexham fan, would they want to play the season out and see what happened or stop the season right now and definitely stay up? I think they would have chosen the latter option all day. Yeah, I mean, they'd, hopefully this year's served as a bit of a kick up the proverbial because there was some horrible complacency in a host of areas this year. Um, and as you say, they'd, they'd started to turn it round in the, in the early spring and were were in fairness, were pulling away from the relegation zone. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that's something they can develop. But it's another situation where they've lost a lot of players. Um, I mean, I know you commented in our notes that the, the academy has been doing had been doing well this season. So hopefully there's some development there that they can that they can lean on going forward. Yeah, the the under nineteens won their division. Uh, they won twelve out of fifteen games and scored a lot of goals there. So there's definitely some promise for the future. Obviously, it's a I think North, some sort of Northern Alliance um, youth division there. So it's, it's not like they're playing the Manchester Uniteds of this world, but they're obviously showing that they are producing good players. Um, and I hope that they'll get a chance. I think that has got to be a way that Wrexham need to go in the future if they can is to try and produce more. Because I've got to say, I think that the the identification of talent for the first team has not been great for the last, I'll say, two years, possibly 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, the players who've come in haven't really done much. And I think that that is their biggest issue uh, this season, at least, has been the players that they've brought in haven't really done much. I think that needs to be addressed but I think the biggest thing for for me is they just need some kind of consistency off the pitch they've had 38 managers I think in the last two years (laughs) um, and something needs to change in that regard it needs to be consistent there needs to be a plan going forward there needs to be a um, some sort of process for identifying talent there needs to be some process for bringing through some young players perhaps and giving them a chance because I think if they don't sort themselves out again next season, they could be in big, big trouble again. Yeah, agreed. Sadly. Sadly. Um, I will have a quick ad I, uh, on Merthyr before before I ask you a, a, a Twitter question. Merthyr, I've spent a lot of time over the the COVID break, if that's what you can call it, <laughs> trying to invest time in redoing parts of their ground recycling upcycling a lot of things to to make the ground improved they've also been doing different things to raise money something called boost the budget which which is one of them we're trying to raise funds to help the the club on and off the pitch which from what i can see has been pretty successful so far they've also retained eight of their playing squad which at that level i think is a fairly decent retention list um, one of those players, Kerry Morgan, I think, is is recovering from an injury, so I'm not sure how heavily he'll feature. But there's definitely, I think, some optimism there after what will have been two fairly mediocre seasons. I'm, I'm sure Merthyr fans won't mind me saying that, where they've just been kind of bumbling around mid-table and not really had much to play for either way. So hopefully a bit of continuity can help them and hopefully the fundraising the club are doing will will help them moving forward as well. Yeah, no, it's it's been interesting to see actually how different clubs have tried to find positives in these difficult times, isn't it? In terms of sort of un, unexpected time to, as you say, address you know whether it's structural stuff or safety issues or that sort of thing. I mean, where possible, um, and I think Merthyr seemed to have made actually in fairness very good use of the the sort of the lapse in playing time yeah i think so too um i agree uh just to look uh, at another welsh club after a twitter question from brandon arthur what are our thoughts on Talbot town being back in cymru south after putting four difficult years off the pitch behind them what do you think it's interesting, wasn't it, isn't it? Because they got in quite a serious financial mess three or four years ago and ended up being demoted 
by um, the FAW because of financial, you know, they can get their license for financial grounds. Yeah. Um, and and progressively kind of dropped through, dropped through the divisions. Um, they created a ste- I was reading they created a steering committee of staff staff and supporters, which I thought was an interesting way of addressing uh, addressing yeah. this licensing issue. Um, and clearly they've had they've had a very good season now. They they'd fallen down to the third tier to division one. Um, and then have, have it's just been confirmed that they've had promotion back up to Cymru South um, with the new arrangement that FAW put in place for, you know, relegation and promotion um, for the leagues that weren't weren't finished out. Uh, so, I mean, it's a, a it's a salutary lesson for, for, for any club, but equally it does look like the format of getting this sort of working party of staff and supporters together and just getting your heads together and addressing it and drilling down to what the real issues were and trying to, and presumably they got some support from the FAW as well to get, to get their books in order. So it's, it's pleasing to see a team be able to come back from that um, and start to make progress up, up the divisions again. I can agree more. I think, you know, to avoid relegation on the pitch, but then see it, you know that go that way anyway administratively yeah. is is must be absolutely heartbreaking so for the for the shoots of recovery to come from that committee like you've said and and then to see the results on the pitch from that must be extremely satisfying i mean i think i read that the origins of the club are one of the one of the oldest in the welsh in the mm. welsh league so for to have an important club like that historically come back up and and get to the point where they could be challenging to be um, part of the the Cymru Premier again in a couple of years, I think would be fantastic, and I'm sure they would need more off the off the pitch stuff to work out for them as well. But I think, as you say, it shows that whilst the administrative side of things and the Welsh Dees can be frustrating, sometimes there are definite ways back from that. And I think clubs like Patalbot have really shown uh, the, the the route, if you like, to come back from that. Um, I th- yeah, they're also. Um, I was reading that they've secured all of the players that finished last season with them are, are, are staying yeah. and they've secured they've obviously se- secured the coaching team as well and that's you know going back to what we were saying a, a few minutes ago about the level of turnover in some of the clubs I mean that's very pleasing to see as well those players must have good faith in what's happening within the club and how it's developing and where it's going so that's that's a pleasing sign as well. Oh, absolutely, and I think it's it's worth noting whilst we're here the 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 rest of the the ups and downs, if you like, that happened in the in the Welsh Premier in the Welsh well in the Welsh leagues in overall. Um, I was personally delighted that one of my pre-season predictions came true. Uh, TNS did not win the league. Connors <laughs> Connors Key won the league, which I was uh, very very happy about. I think it's important for Welsh football, on a serious note, to make sure. Not to make sure, but for that to happen, I'm sure the, the staff and the players and the manager Andy Morrison would have preferred to have played out the remaining games and, and won the league because I know they did have a game against TNS um, to play as well. So that that would have been interesting, but still, I think it's fantastic for them and I think it's fantastic for the league. And I think they have been they've played some excellent, excellent football this year, and I think they deserve a lot of credit. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, um, connected, there was an, an, an interesting case, going back to what we were just discussing with the, the sort of FAW regulations and the licensing, um, that Haverford West have ended up being promoted into Cymru Premier yeah. because the Swansea University team didn't meet, didn't meet the criteria for their Tier 1 application. And I, you can't help... It's, the same way that you were saying a minute ago, you can't help but feel for the likes of Potolba that were going down the leagues for yeah. those sorts of reasons. And and the Swansea University team can't come up the league for, for those sorts of reasons. And I, I'm a bit torn on this because I, I do appreciate what the FAW are doing on the licensing front and trying to keep things both fiscally, you know, ticking over and also from a sort of safety and um, infrastructure way as well. Um, but I, I do wonder if there might be some sort of grace period where a, a club has, you know, can be promoted and hence use the income, the growth in the income that's going to come from that promotion 
you know, in a financial plan that is then going to get them to the licensing point. And I, I don't know enough about the, 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 the UEFA rules around this. It might be that that's an impossibility anyway. Um, but it, it, it just seems to be uh, an inappropriate way to make to make these sorts of promotion decisions. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that actually because I, I, there's a someone I think it was looking at my notes. STM Sports they got relegated because they failed to obtain. Uh, certification and I, I with that I don't know enough about it how long that's been going on for so apologies for that but I agree with you I do think it's a shame that teams are getting promoted or relegated on the basis of paperwork and I totally get it they've got to be um, financially stable they've there's a lot of things that go with it it's got to be safety at the grounds um, to house away fans and obviously home fans I, like I get, I get all of those things but I do wonder if it starts at a point to make a little bit of a mockery of of, of certain things. Like I, I read the other day that the new Banger team, they got their uh, tier three certification, I think, um, which is great news for them on appeal. So I think there are some good things that come from it. People have to progress to on and off the pitch. But I, I do wonder longer term if there needs to be a, a readdressing of the system to make it, as fair off the pitch as it is on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think there's any easy answers there, Dave. I think no, I agree. You know, any, any organisation is, is always on a little bit of a hiding to nothing when you have the umbrella responsibilities for, the, for these things. But yeah. um, it would be interesting to see how different, if there are different ways that other FAs deal with this um, or yeah. whether it's just so mandated from UEFA that, Actually, it's it's not something that at a local level we can really adjust anyway. Yeah, like I say, I'm sure there's more to it that I'm unaware mm-hmm. of. So I, I don't I don't profess to know everything about it, but I I do think this sort of stuff does seem to happen a lot. Um, yeah. But there we go. Um, a seamless link. Talking about promotion and relegation, we will look at um, some of the players who represent Wales normally and how they've been doing, uh, both since the restart and just generally. Uh, I start, I say promotion and relegation because Bournemouth appear to be well, yeah. knackered, for, for want of a ruder <laughs> word. Um, obviously, that affects uh, Brooks and Wilson. Obviously, Wilson will go back to Liverpool on loan, but I'm intrigued to know what you think will come, to come of him next year. But also, if they do go down, you'd imagine that people will be falling over themselves to, to sign Di Brooks. Yeah, I mean, I think... Talking about Harry Wilson, there's you know there's everything from speculation that he'll maybe get a bit of playing time with Liverpool to he'll be out on loan again to you know I saw one rumor that Leeds were interested in in buying him, but that's probably about six weeks old now. Um, Brooks, I think, would get would get snapped up by somebody, assuming that he's he's genuine. I can you know I can understand a club being a little bit nervous at the minute. Um, Neither of them seem to have settled well. They just look, they just look so, oh, I don't know. Yes, just unsettled and as though they haven't had time together as a team, as though they haven't had this mini pre-season. Obviously, Chris Mepham is in that mix as well. And um, he's, he's been subbed in and out a little bit and not, you know, not actually played much time. So it's really difficult to judge his form. Um, but it is concerning when, you know, three of our starting potential starting players are all sort of locked into a, yeah. a team that looks so unsettled. I agree. It's an interesting one for me. I think Wilson, if you look at his highlights reel, he looks like he's, you know, <laughs> the next best player in the world. He's, he's the one-off moments he's capable of creating uh, are fantastic. But, I watched them, uh, Bournemouth obviously play Newcastle. I mean, when you're being beaten four-one at home by Newcastle, you've, you know, you've done something wrong. Um, and Brooks, through no fault of his own, didn't really get in the game. But every time he did get in the game, he was trying so hard to create something. He was running down blind alleys, and um, 
as a consequence, just didn't really get involved in the game much. And Wilson, he was then brought off for Wilson. And I, I just literally can't remember Wilson getting a kick of the ball. Um, so it's a shame, really. Wilson seems to be capable of creating these magic moments, but I'm not sure how capable he is at the minute anyway of kind of consistently creating performances. I don't think the team helps, but I think there's also an issue there as well. Brooks, I think, needs to get out of there. I think he is. I've, there's a lot of links uh, with him and Spurs, so I've I've heard that could happen. Whether he'd want to go there, I mean, I'm sure he'd want to go there, but whether that'd be the best for him, I I personally don't think so. Um, so there's a lot of intrigue around him. I'd actually it'd be interesting to see if they did go down, and I think they will. That Mepham, I think, would actually probably benefit from a year in mm-hmm. in the Championship where he'd probably play more often. That you know, I'd imagine Nathan Ake for one would go, so he could maybe slot in and replace him, and I think that may be good for him to have yeah. a year there. So I, I think, yeah, it's a tricky one. I think Wilson will go back to Liverpool, and I think he will go on loan again, probably somewhere at the lower reaches of the Premier League. But I think next season's a big year for Harry Wilson. I think he's really got to prove himself that he's capable of playing in the Premier League week in, week out. Um and to an extent, the same for Brooks as well, I think. Um, and I don't think the drop down a division would bother Mepham that much. I think he'd still be more than capable of producing for Wales fairly regularly. So mm-hmm. I'm not too concerned about that one. Um, we've mentioned Volks, um, but to mention Volks, he scored mm-hmm. the other night. He's had a kind of reasonable amount of football time since since the resumption. And... I know we're you know we're a year away from all of this happening, but you know again it, it does give us more options going forward because Hal hasn't really done anything since the season resumed. Yeah, no, I, I, Sam Vokes seems to have sort of got his mojo back a little bit, doesn't he? Both on and off the field, like just I was listening to some interviews that he'd been doing during the the lockdown and things. He he just seemed to be in a better place, sort of mentally than than he might have been for a couple of years, actually. And I, th- I think that's reflected on in his play, obviously. You, you know, if, if you're in a better place, you're going to play better. Um, but I, I do think it's important that we have, um, obviously, it's important that we have some options up front. And I think to see him having a little bit of, a, a little bit of uh, increasing form is good, particularly, as you say, where Hal seems to have been a little sort of witty-washy since since the resumation. Um, I mean, West Brom have been playing well, but he's not really contributing from from what I'm seeing. No, same. I, I don't think so. So I, I think he'll probably be glad of the end of the season and uh, a reset for, for him there, whereas Vokes obviously hitting form will be happy to yeah. keep playing. Um, Rodden, has he played his last game for Swansea? I suspect so. I suspect he's in another one where they'll they'll cash him in. Um, you know where he's off to. It's it could be anywhere. I mean, virtually every everyone's been mentioned, haven't they, amongst the upper echelons of the of the Premier League. Um, but I think he'll get snapped up pretty quick as soon as the season closes out. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, we we talked. I say the last time we spoke, probably um, on his potential move to Leicester, which kind of fell through. So I'm I'm sure there's there's some sort of agreement there. Whether that'll f- transpire into a full transfer, I don't know. But there's definitely going to be teams sniffing around. And I think, mm-hmm. and I'm not just saying this because of my own personal persuasions, but if the takeover goes through at Newcastle, there's going to be a lot of money swilling around there. I think he could be a great young addition to that squad. Who, you know, as we showed the other night, uh, can defend you know, every now and again, but certainly not consistently. And I think he would add a lot of strength and quality to that, to that side. Um, and I think there are other teams in that, in that situation as well. I know Everton have got a lot of money they could do with another centre half. Um, and there's a few teams around there beyond your obvious Manchester cities and Manchester United. So I think he's been uh, linked within the past as well. So I agree. I think he's probably played his last game, which is a shame, but I also think moving on to the Premier League next year will be a, a big thing for him and I think he will not be out of depth in any way. I think he's more than capable of of holding his own there. So a shame for Swansea, but um, I don't think we'll see him in a Swansea shirt again. To continue talking about whether we'll see people in shirts again, well, this I've, incredible work here. Um, I've, I've, long, I've long since mentioned my dislike uh, for Tom Lawrence. I, I don't back down from that. Um, and I don't know if you saw the 
the stupid situation he got himself involved in sent yes. off the other day. Yes. I, I wonder if he's maybe played his last game in a Wales shirt. I mean, I think that might be a bit extreme, but I, I, I think the hot-headedness is starting to be more and more and more of a concern, isn't it? There's a, yeah. there's a pattern here where you'd hope people would learn some hard, hard lessons. I mean, some, some of the mistakes he's made have been huge. Um, and there doesn't seem to be that kind of maturing going on that you'd hope you'd hope to see and uh, I mean I at the minute I would steer away from him purely because of the hot-headedness you just you in limited qualifying group games or limited tournament games the last thing you need is is people grabbing yellows and red cards for absolutely nothing Um, and I think that right now that would be enough for me to steer away from him. Yeah I mean I agree with everything you've said there I, I, I think it's a funny one, isn't it? Because the hot-headedness is not kind of consistent throughout his whole footballing career. No. He's, you know, he's, no, it, it seems to be of late. So I would disagree with you a bit there. But I think he's got to a point where he needs to be, in my mind anyway, sort of spotless. I, I don't think you can do what he did off the pitch and then come and grab someone by the neck and headbutt them or slap them in the face or whatever he ended up doing. And And I just think that when you get to that point, you've got to ask serious questions. And I mean, if he was... You know, Eric Cantona fly kicked someone in the chest. Equally, he was absolutely brilliant at football, and I that doesn't one doesn't excuse the other, but it at least gives you a sensible argument about whether we should persist with this person. I mean, I don't know about you, but Tom Lawrence, I don't think in that kind of number ten wide attacker role, I, I don't think he makes my possibly now I'm just trying to think about the numbers but possibly top five possibly even six players in those positions I would I would have Matondo Brooks Wilson obviously Ramsey and depending on where you play Bale uh, uh, amongst others uh, ahead of him Johnny Wilson I'd have ahead of him um uh, Johnny Williams sorry not Johnny Wilson um so uh, for me I, I just don't even think he's worth the potential upside on a footballing perspective of what you might get. I know he scored big goals for us in that campaign when we lost to Ireland in the end, but, you know, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched him and I, th- I thought, bloody hell, he's had a great game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just, I think if you're looking at limited squad numbers at the minute, he's very much on the edge, isn't, isn't he? Yeah. Um, to stick with people on the edge of squads, um, <laughs> uh, Rabi Matondo. Yeah. Um, Schalke, in the nicest possible way, have been shit since the restart <laughs> of football. I think they have. I've, ri- I've written my stat down here. I'm trying to be seamless. And I've, um, he started all but one of their games, I think. And looking at their stats, oh, I can't remember. I think they've only not lost once since the restart, um, which is very poor. He's done okay, I guess. He's he scored. Um, he's had an assist. He's been dynamic, but often a lot of um, missing a lot of end product. I spoke to my uh, to my mate football Chris, as uh, as you know, football Chris, my friend from America, who I play football with. He he's watches a lot of German football, and he says every time he see him sees him, he misses a good chance. He misses a one on one, and whilst he looks lively and threatening and fast, they, that only gets you so far if you're not going to end up sticking the ball in the back of the net. And uh, I wonder if. We're at the point where he needs a breakthrough season now. I don't disagree. And it was intriguing the level of clubs that are being rumoured to be interested in him when I'm not quite sure he's really showing that level of play at the moment. You know, Uh, everyone from the, you know, the Arsenal's and Tottenham's and Chelsea's and even Liverpool's of the world. Um, That, you know, there's, there's something doesn't quite... Um, doesn't quite fit with those rumours for me in terms of what he's actually producing at Schalke. I think, in fairness, he's had a reasonable year over there um, and has certainly settled well into being a relatively young guy in a, a different league and, and everything that goes with you know being part of a German a German team. And I think he should be applauded for that. Um, but in terms of his actual progression of play I th- I 
think if he wants to genuinely be pushing for a place next summer, he's going to have to have a much better season. Oh, 100%. And I think I'm equally surprised by a lot of the names mentioned. Um, Mm. I think he does need to have that year where he where it does happen for him like it happened to Harry Wilson a bit last year at Derby where he was he was all action and he was everywhere and I think Matondo needs that sort of year I think the thing with him is and I remember it was Martin O'Neill I think said they really rated Gabby Albonglahor when they first saw him not because they thought this lad is an amazing footballer they thought he's amazing at what we could make him be you can coach people to be better on the board you can coach people to do things and, and play as part of a structure you can't teach someone to be fast. You're either fast or you're not, and he is rapid. And I think his decision-making isn't great, and I think his finishing needs to be improved, but I think if he was with someone who improved those things as part of him on a regular basis, I think there is definitely a player there. So I can see to a bit why those clubs are interested, but on current form, I I don't think it's going to happen. But he definitely needs that breakthrough season, I think. Um, Excuse me. I know we're probably missing a few people out. We are going to come on to the to the big names in a few moments, but we had a question from Darren Lewis. Well, I've got two questions actually about uh, Nico Williams. Um, but first of all, do we think Nico should fight for his place at Liverpool or go out on loan? And as a as an add on from that, Darren asks, should he already be Wales's first choice left back? Hmm. Interesting one. Right back, yeah? Well, I, I guess you could ask, I guess you could say either full back. I, I think you'd probably yeah. play him at right back on the basis that you're not going to kick Ben Davis out of that team. No, no. And he can play, um, can play either side, to be fair. He can play both sides. I would, my concern, and it's a, it's a kind of a nice concern, um, but it seems like Liverpool have, got to the point where they think he's number two after Trent Alexander-Arnold. And so I don't think he's going anywhere in terms of going on loan. Um, But on that basis, he's going to get pretty limited play through the season. Um, I mean, it kind of depends how deep they might go into into different competitions and cups and things as, you know, as to how much play he might get. But he may get very limited play across the season. Um, and I'm, I'm concerned what that means for his development. Um, it's, it's. I can't see Liverpool put, pushing him out on loan at the minute, and equally, I can't see him getting much playing time at Liverpool. So it's a, it's a real catch twenty two for him as a young player looking to develop. I agree. I wonder if, obviously, I think he'll be there as he has been this season, like a, a full back in the cup competitions. I do wonder a little bit if perhaps they'll look at balancing the league and the Champions League and stuff a little bit differently next year. For example, if they, you know, if there's a big Champions League game coming up, they might want to rest Trent um, or Andy Robertson because, again, he can play either side. So only one of them needs to pick up a knock and he can play either side because he did replace Andy Robertson um, in the game against Brighton yesterday. So I think that's worth remembering. I also think they might, if they rested either one of those two ahead of a big game, then that may help them go further into competitions. And I think that's where he could get more Premier League game time. I think mm-hmm. he is probably, him and Joe Gomez are probably there or thereabouts. I think Gomez prefers to play centrally, but they're both there or thereabouts in terms of who's the next the next player off the rank in that, in that position. So I don't know. I, personally, I think it's probably worth him staying at Liverpool I think it's worth him getting the coaching that he's going to get as part of that first team squad from Klopp and being around people, uh, obviously like Virgil Van Dijk, who's been the best defender in the in the league, obviously this year, and fantastic fullbacks in Robertson and, and Trent. So I think there's definitely potential there for him to improve, even if he's not getting regular game time. Um, so I will I will have to disagree with you a bit there, but. Um, a follow-up question Dylan Roberts has asked, who are our fullbacks for the Euros? Which I appreciate is a year away and there's a lot of wider <laughs> w- wider questions there. But, I mean, just to tie that in, do you think, does he start at fullback for Wales? Now, at the minute, I, I think, as I said with, with Gunter before, Connor Roberts has got to be displaced and I don't think we're there yet. 
I would also say that I would take Nico to the Euros, as I said I would have this year. I would I'd obviously take him next year as well because he can play right back and left back, and I think that frees up an extra player that we could take as someone who could play in midfield. So I would take him to the Euros. And if I was picking my squad today, I think I would take Roberts, Nico and Ben Davis. And then I'd have to do some complicated maths to see if I was going to take Gunter as well. But those would be my first choice three. Yeah, I would agree. And I like the fact that potentially you can play Ben inside and make a three at the back if you if you want to. He's he's well versed at that. Um so I would I would agree with you and I think Gunter's place is more determined by what's happening elsewhere, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um if you if you were picking them right now. Ben Davies has had a kind of up and downy restart as well, hasn't he? He played okay against Manchester United then had a bad game against Sheffield United. So, yeah. you know, his his form is a bit all over the place at the moment. I mean, we're, we're talking now about something that's 12 months away, but there's a little bit of a concern there in terms of him um, solidifying that place um, at Spurs and, and, and getting game time going forward. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget as well, he is recovering from injury. So, you know, yeah, that's yeah. True. so yeah. uh, that is worth bearing in mind. But um, no, I, I do agree, he has been hit and miss since the restart. So it does raise a lot of questions, but it's good that we've got a year to, to answer those questions. Um, <laughs> we'll just raise more questions. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I've answered that question. I'm seamlessly, I've done some great seamless links. We're at the tail end now, don't worry, everybody. Um, we are interested obviously in Bale, Ramsey, Ampadu and others as well. Uh, Galois in France asks, where do we see the futures of Ampadu, Ramsey and Bale? So I'll start with uh, Bale, if that's if that's okay with you. I think he's barely getting a kick at Real. The last time I kind of did some research, he'd played a hundred minutes of football since the restart. He got a start. He got one start and played seventy minutes, and then he played half an hour pretty much off the bench. Which in a lot of I think they've played quite a lot of games since the restart. That's really not great. I, I think he's probably going to end up getting a, a league winners medal, but he certainly looks fairly disinterested there. I think his position in that squad is obviously non-existent if we're being brutally honest I do think he has lost a bit I think he's lost a bit of pace and and it seems a bit like he's lost the the hunger and the the love of football a little bit over in Madrid so I think he would have to come uh, or go sorry to to a different team to to kind of re, regain that and I uh, Part of me thinks that the Premier League would be a great place for him. And again, if Newcastle get all this money and he wants to come and be our marquee man, then that's great for me. But I don't think it's going to happen. I, it's so difficult to pick where he'd go. I, I think moving to Italy, and I've said this before, I think moving to Italy would be great for him. The Italian league is definitely growing in, in, in its stature again. It's not the all-action type of football that he'd play in the Premier League, which was which would suit him. And I think that would be a good place to go. But then obviously there's the money. So uh, there's just so many things up in the air. Um, what do you think? It does feel like we've hit the sort of annual, um, you know, Bale's leaving Madrid season. Yeah. Um, this this year it's to raise money to buy Haaland probably. <laughs> um, the My concern is he... And his agent have kind of made it clear that they're not going to compromise on his wages. And the fact that he was all but on the plane to China back in, what was it, September, October time, um, makes me a little bit worried that that's perhaps the only destination that's that's open to him at the minute. If they If they're going to be adamant about his wages now it might be that madrid will you know keep perhaps keep paying a portion just to notionally get him out of there and off the books but yeah. they generally don't follow that trail um so my concern would be that perhaps the only place that would take him is some of those those chinese teams with their, their silly amounts of money 
Out of interest, if he did stay at Madrid, which I also think is not off the cards, he's perfectly mm-hmm. entitled to see out that contract, do one more year and then get a big signing on fee and a big contract at the end of the next season, which would be a shame. Yeah. But how would that affect him going into the Euros? Because part of me thinks it would be great if he was relaxed and refreshed. But when he was, uh, when we played Hungary away and he hadn't played for a while, you could really see the impact it had on him on a football perspective. So I think... I would. I really, really think he needs to move, and I think you know, if, if I was being paid half a million a week or whatever he's on, then I, I, I guess it's a different. It's a bit hard on me to say that, but I think he needs to move, not just for him, but also for Wales. I, I think if he's not having some kind of regular football, then I think he is not going to have the same impact for us at the Euros as as he has previously for Wales. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I think as a He's a form player in that sense, isn't he? And he doesn't have to be playing incredibly for Madrid to then play incredibly for us. But I do think he has to be playing um, to to have the sort of the rust elements being shaved off in those games, and then and then be in a position to play well for us. Yeah, I that agree. I, I can't disagree with that as a concern. I'm I'm actually really concerned about that. Oh, me too. I think it's uh, it is a big worry looking ahead. I'm I'm equally worried about Aaron Ramsey as well. To be fair, he's kind of playing ten minutes here and there for Juve. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to win the league this year, so you know his journey over there has been worthwhile. He scored a couple of important goals for them. He's featured fairly regularly, but as I say, not for a long amount of time um, in each in each game. They've kind of made a habit, Juventus, recently of buying players one year big wages on a free and then mm. selling them and, and making a handsome profit at the other end. I Maybe you've been a bit cynical, but I do wonder if that was the plan with Ramsey all along. Um, I hope he'll stay there. I think it's good for him football-wise to be around the players he's around. Um, and because of his injury concerns, whilst it must be frustrating for him, I, in a way, I think the 10 minutes, maybe not 10 minutes, but a bit more every now and again, but every a half an hour every week, to keep him in form, keep him fit without kind of putting too much of a strain on his body from a Welsh perspective, selfishly, is probably not the end of anyone's world. Um, but so I, I, I wouldn't be that bothered about that. But if he does end up getting frozen out a bit and he's playing, you know, your 10 minutes a week, you know, every two weeks, then I, I do wonder how long he will kind of be willing to tolerate that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's in a slightly different situation than Bale in that, I think he is in Juve's plans. It's just how high is he in Juve's plans? You know, if they if they got a nice offer off somebody for him, I think they'd sell him. I don't think he's that valuable. Yeah. But equally, they, they're not ignoring him as an asset either. They're going to utilise him, as you say, even if it's for 20 minutes a game. Um, I actually have more faith in Ramsey's ability to be to have a season like that where he's a bit more of a bit player and then still be able to step it up for the Euros. He he seems to he seems to be able to make that mental switch easier, I feel. Yeah. Um so I'm a little less concerned about him than I am Bale. Um because I think the worst situation for Ramsey would be to have a somewhat bit part at Juve. And, you know, if they're going deep in competitions again, it might end up being a bit more than a bit part. Um, whereas Bale, I feel, is basically being shot cold-shouldered to the point where you're barely going to see him near the football pitch. Yeah, I, I think he's going to really struggle next year. I, I do worry about that. But I don't want to go around in circles. Um, I'm, no. I'm aware that we're getting close to the dreaded hour mark, so I am going to move on <laughs> a little bit. Um Two more players I want to ask you about very quickly, uh, one of which is Ampadu and one of mm. which is Hennessy, before I ask you a kind of wider question. But uh, Ampadu, for me, needs to to have a year in the championship next year. I think it's a big shame that he's not really been involved at Leipzig, and I know injuries have had a problem, but I think he needs to get used to the rough and tumble, to be honest, of playing every week. Um, and I think that will help him manage his injuries as well, knowing what he needs to do in a week to get through. And obviously there's some stuff that can't be helped. I think his growing pains is is what is causing him a lot of problems with his back and his hip. But he needs to go somewhere where he has the chance to play football every week. And I think the championship would, would kind of help him and suit his kind of 
hustle and bustle style. Uh, the other person I want to ask you about is Wayne Hennessy. Um, and that's a, a wider question. Um, Ollie on Twitter has asked us that. What do we think, Hennessy being one of them, um, are another number of players who aren't starting at the minute? So uh, uh, go to go Ampadu first, because I have a, another follow-up question that I want to ask you about Hennessy and etc. Okay, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with the worry about Ampadu. I'm, I'm still not so sure about the championship. I, I worry about him physically in that environment right at the minute as you say it seems the back problem seems to be persistent and i'm i'm a bit concerned about him being in the sort of heavy duty nature of the championship i know there were rumors about sevilla uh being interested and perhaps perhaps the spanish league may suit him suit him um but as you say i think he's just he's just got to find a team with some where he's getting some genuine playing time because it's it's an it's another situation where his 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 play's not really developing and and Leipzig seem to have just kind of shelved shelved him really don't they in terms of their their planning and their and their yeah. strategizing. Um, to go back to the Hennessy question, mm-hmm. um, how concerned are you in the first in the first part of that question about the situation there? Uh, I'm concerned, but. We're we're in the same old same old where there's there's no one behind him playing regularly that's really going to put any pressure on him to, for bit to be our number one and our starter, and I I think that that's going to reach a point where it genuinely does become an issue for us that we've got our goalkeeping some kind of trio quartet quite how you put them continually we we seem to have the same problem of none of them are really playing. And so I can't see the situation for Wales changing for Hennessy because there isn't anyone there putting the pressure on him. But the longer this pattern goes on, obviously the more it's a concern. I mean, I think the big thing for me is that he is in such a key position for us as a goalkeeper. That is somewhere where you do need to be playing every week. But then you've got to look. There's no one else behind him putting any pressure on him, really. Ward is not doing anything. I think I might be our third-choice goalkeeper at the minute. I, I, <laughs> I think we're in this ridiculous situation. Um, I just want to ask you a quick question because as a follow-up to what Ollie asked, and I'm just making sure I'm, I'm pulling up the, the, the side here to make sure I've got the uh, my, my facts correct. The last time Wales played, our starting eleven was Hennessy. Roberts, Lockyer, Mepham, Davies, Allen, Morell, Bale, Ramsey, James, and Moore. Mm-hmm. Looking down that list, there are at least half of those who aren't going to play regularly next season. And there's a few yeah. question marks here and there. I mean, Hennessy, probably not. Roberts had a didn't play regularly at the start of the year, but is playing regularly now, I guess. Um, yeah. Lockyer, he's playing fairly regularly. Mepham, no. Davis, hit and miss. Allen's injured. We don't know what Morel is going to do next year, where he's going to be, if he's going to be playing. Obviously, Bale's not. Ramsey's not. James has not played as regularly since restart. And obviously, Kiefer Moore, who, who scored for Wigan the other day, is playing fairly regularly. And even the people who come off the bench, Ampadu's not getting much game time. Uh, Wilson's not playing regularly. Brooks isn't playing regularly. We're in a, we, there's a, you could certainly make an argument to say we could, we could be in a bit of bother at the Euros next year, just on the basis that I think we, and we've mentioned it before, there's some players who may well end up playing more for Wales than they will their club next season. I mean, I won't deny it's a worry. I'm just trying not to borrow that that cloud right now <laughs> because because it's 12, 12 months away. Um, I think if if that pattern is still the case come November December, Dave, and there's there's as many players um, out of our you know what notionally might be our starting eleven. If there's that proportion of players not playing um you can't help but see it as a concern uh particularly when there's so many of them in the spine of the team that fall into that category i think that's what worries me like you say the spine of the team and that doesn't include rodden who's been injured and not been playing himself as well who'd probably be a starter 
um, with there with Mep. Um, I don't know where James Lawrence is going to be. We've not talked about him for a while. Um, there's, there's he's a... back with Anderlecht, isn't he? They've pulled him back from St. Pauli. Yeah, he finished his loan spell there. But again, mm. he wasn't playing regularly there. He did have a good end to the season from what I've read. But there's a lot of questions, as you say, about the spine of the team. And I, and I do hope that some people need uh, will get go somewhere and get some football next year. Wayne Hennessy for me, is probably top of that list because I don't think he's played regular football by the time Euros come around. He, he may well have ended up playing not playing regular football for almost two years, um, which for a goalkeeper is obviously a massive, massive worry. Um, you got a lot of criticism when Liverpool beat Palace 4-0. He came back into the side for that and I thought was a little bit unfair, the criticism he got myself. But it's a, it is a bit of a concern, that moving forward. Um, to try and finish up, I think... Um, I've got no more questions left to ask. I think I think I may be done. Have you got any other business as you <laughs> frantically scramble for notes? Um, no, no. I just um, I think it's given the timing. We'll keep this for the next podcast. But I do think there's some interesting stuff to discuss around the new schedule for the games in the in the autumn. I think the women, the women's team in particular, their games, the order of their games and things have changed changed quite dramatically um so i'd like us to explore a little bit the the impact of that but let's keep that for the next podcast yeah i was gonna say we've got a while to talk about that and obviously the the nation's league games as you alluded to there is, is something else we can talk about so i think i think we'll wrap up there and i think that's what we will will focus on for next time so uh ruth thank you for your time we haven't done this for a while this has been very enjoyable this has been good, hasn't it? It's been nice to nice to catch up, despite the, the strange time zones. <laughs> I know. I can't believe that I'm going to finish this and go to bed and you're going to finish this and go to lunch. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, very, very bizarre. But, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, I'm going to post the Jack Collison podcast very, very soon. I'm also going to uh, remind you that we did a podcast with Dave Edwards over the break. We did a lot of one of my one of my favourite podcasts. That absolutely he was, was brilliant. Yeah, um, we've done a lot of favourite football things. If you want to journey back through our SoundCloud, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, anything like that, um, we are we are on all of those. Um, those mediums, if that is the right word to use. So I'm going to stop waffling now. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for your time, Ruth. I enjoyed that. Uh, And uh, hopefully we will see you on another podcast soon. Just hope everyone's keeping safe and well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.